0: The last time we studied Proverbs, we looked. Uh, we did kind of a two-part um, lesson on on that um, over the course of probably three weeks, I think, with with that one, possibly even four. But chapter two uh, presents Solomon um, giving his son advice uh, as a father, encouraging his son. We get this advice from Solomon. This this wisdom. Um, The two different things that we talked about, the first was to diligently seek after wisdom. The second was uh, to appreciate the benefits of diligently seeking that wisdom. Now, in chapter 3, we still have Solomon giving advice as a father to a son um, this time it's separated into three different parts, uh, and we're going to separate this into three separate lessons over the course of probably the next two months, who knows, depending on you know, what the Lord has in plan. Um, so the first part, what we're going to talk about tonight, as I mentioned this morning, is uh, six keys for a good life. Uh, that's verses 1 through 12. The next section, verses 13 through 24, um, it, it's, it's full of uh, praise praise. Um, and there's illustrations about the value of wisdom. So um, uh, not next week, but the previous week or the week after that, uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll look at that. And then um, the last lesson, uh, six negatives, six negatives for a wise life, and that's 25 through 35 of, of Proverbs 3. So tonight, like I said, uh, we're going to look at the six keys for a good life. Um, so... As a whole, these three lessons are, are kind of encompassing chapter 3, which um, I think the a proper title would be Fatherly Counsel for Godly Living. Um, it's a good way to look at it. Um, so as we read through some of these, um, picture yourself as a child sitting at the feet of Solomon, um, listening to Dad give up some good advice. And perhaps your father was... Someone who gave sage advice um, my my dad wasn't really one where you sat by the fireplace and you sat at his feet and just listened to the wisdom roll out. It was more like uh, I learned from my mistakes and then I got the wisdom in in my punishment uh, that's where I learned a lot of things um, of course you know you learn things from from life as well, but just kind of picture yourself sitting at the feet of Solomon as he gives this wisdom uh, of course by inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, so We're going to start in verses 1 through 2 here. This is the first key for a good life. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Okay, so the first key to a long and peaceful life is to heed the guidance of your father. Now, we can take this in a worldly sense and think about our earthly fathers or our parents, you know, take the father figure and, and spread it out to parents because mothers of course are able to give great wisdom as well. Um, as with Timothy, his mother and grandmother raised him in in the scriptures. Um, but we can also look at this in, an, in a uh, spiritual sense in that we should be heeding the guidance of our heavenly father as well. Um, and this is, the The worldly sense is what Paul expresses in Ephesians chapter six. Children, obey your parents. Uh, you know the obedience to parents is not so much, um, you know, good counsel. Obviously, it's good counsel, but it is it is more so so that you can gain wisdom and understanding of, of the world and how to uh, how to approach the world. Uh, the second key, verses three through four, is the key to popularity. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search it, uh, or search uh, for it, like hidden... I am in chapter 2. Why didn't anybody change me? Well, the first part of uh, chapter 2 is the same as 3. My son, don't forget my teaching. This is verses 1 through 2. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. So there, that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> Woo! Where's my coffee? Where did I put it? All right. Um, you can see that those are v- pretty similar. Um, not exactly the same. Um, the, verses 3 through 4 now. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. All right. So verse 4 there is talking about favor, popularity, um, Now, some think that the way to popularity is good looks, intelligence, athletic ability. If that's the case, then I was never popular in school. And that's actually kind of true. Um, But that's not the key to popularity. That's not the key to popularity that we see in the Bible. Instead, the qualities of truth and mercy, those are the things that are the keys to lasting popularity. Truth and mercy are more enduring because they are more endearing. Saw that uh, written down. I don't know who wrote that, um, but nonetheless, um, this characteristic of mercy, the characteristic of truthfulness, these are things that find great favor in the sight of God. This is what Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter five, verse seven. He says, "Blessed are the merciful." Verse 37, he says, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So we have mercy and truthfulness, both valuable characteristics of a Christian and things that find favor in the sight of God. Of course, that's what Solomon says there as well. And so too, when we think about these characteristics with men, you know, no one likes a liar. Uh, And a merciful person, um, someone who is compassionate and forgiving, you know, they, they are admired by many people. So are we developing qualities of truth and mercy in our lives? Are we exuding that? Are we presenting that within our, within our homes, within our workplaces, uh, within life in general? The next key, third key, uh, is the key to successful ventures. Verses 5-6 through Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know Him and He will make your paths straight. Have the Lord direct your path. The word direct here means to make smooth or straight. And if you've ever driven down a road that's full of potholes, it's not fun. You'd rather have a very nice smooth road. Have you ever been going down the highway and you're on that road Awful, awful pavement that's just riddled with cracks and bumps and potholes. And then all of a sudden you hit the county line and the pavement changes. And it's this nice black top, very smooth, fresh lines. And it's like, who turned the volume off? Make, path, make straight your paths. Make smooth the paths. And the, the, the Lord is able to do that. The Lord can help our journey in life go smoother with His blessings. Now, to ensure that the Lord directs your paths, we need to trust in Him with all your heart. Keep your finger there in Proverbs and flip over real quick to Psalm 37. I'm going to look at a couple different verses here in Psalm 37 about trusting God with all your heart. I'm going to start in verse 3. So if you get to verse 37, we'll be in uh, verses 3 through 6. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and, be, and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Uh, jump down to verses 23-24. Uh, through 24. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds His And I look over at verses 34 through 36. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found." See, that last part there of Psalm 37 verses 35 through 36 talks about when we make, try to make our paths straight by man. Because man is wicked. He says, I've seen the wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away. He was no more. I sought him and he could not be found. But you know who doesn't pass away and who can always be found is the Lord. So we need to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. James chapter 4 talks about that. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's what Solomon says in verse 5 here. He also says it later in Proverbs chapter 28 verse 26. Lean not on your own understanding. So when we make decisions in our lives, do we involve God? I can tell you the first time that I probably ever prayed for a job truthfully, not out of my own selfish ambition, just wanting to have guidance, because I didn't know what to do, was when Sarah and I decided to move down to Cincinnati and take the job at local 12. It was probably one of the smartest decisions we've ever made, but I think, it, at least for me, was probably the first time that I ever truly involved God and allowed God to push me, if you will, because we had to make a lot of sacrifices to do that. We had a beautiful home in Columbus. And we had to sell it. And, well, the market wasn't a seller's market. And so we had to, uh, we put it on the market for how long? Like six months? Six months, paid probably $8,000 in mortgage payments during that time. And we got in touch with one of Dave Ramsey's SLPs for, uh, more, uh, for real estate. Uh, and he came in he, and he said, because we knew that we needed to short sale our house. That was the only way we were going to get able, be able to get out of the house. Uh, and so he came in and he sat down with us. And the first thing he asked is, Are you still paying your mortgage? I said, Well, yeah, of course. That's what you're supposed to do. He said, Why? Stop. And we didn't understand why, but of course, you can't short sale your home until you are behind at least, what, 60 days on your mortgage? And so uh, once we hit that 60 day limit, it sold within nine days, I think, and it was done. But had we done that from the beginning, we probably would have saved thousands of dollars. But we didn't know. We were young and dumb. However, we ultimately came down here. We moved into an apartment much smaller than the house that we were living in. And we had to make ends meet. You know, we, we had to work hard together to get things done. But ultimately, where we are today would not have been possible had we not made that decision. You know, God makes smooth the path when we let Him. Um. The next key, verses 7 through 8. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. So this key here is the key to good health. Do not be arrogant. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Do not underestimate the harmful effects of anxiety and stress on your body and in your life. Scientists, experts, add in whatever you want there. There are several studies that suggest and show that at least 50% of all illnesses may be psychosomatic. That our body's immune system is weakened by the anxiety and stresses that we have on it. Or that we put on it. Or maybe that the world puts on us. And you know one of the biggest causes of anxiety and stress in life is? Guilt. That kind of stress, that kind of anxiety can weigh heavily on our body. Look at uh, Psalm 32, if you're still over there in Psalms. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 4. I love this. This This needs to be on a poster about stress or anxiety, about getting rid of guilt. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Guess what? That's us, folks. Verse 2, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, David said, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the heat of summer. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David's saying, I sat and I just wallowed in this guilt. And this guilt overcame me. It zapped my energy. It took away my strength. But he said, as soon as I acknowledged my sin to you, when I stopped covering up my iniquities, when he confessed his transgressions, God forgave them. And these are the same things that we have access to today. There's also a physical cost to sin. Outside of the psychological of guilt, there's a physical cost as well. The effects of drunkenness causes problems with your body. Drug abuse. Fornication leads to sexually transmitted diseases, unexpected unwanted pregnancies, etc. But if we truly fear the Lord... We will depart from evil. We will be, we get, excuse me, we become free from uh, anxiety and stress and and the things that overcome our bodies. And of course, the result of that, it does a body good. So is developing the fear of the Lord a part of our wellness program? You know, when we think about our bodies and we think about what we do to lose weight and take care of our bodies, you know, one of the things, you know, I'm, Taking on a diet right now. I'm not doing too good at it, but I'm on a diet right now. One of the main reasons I'm on a diet is because I look at my family history and know that diabetes is on the horizon. And I gotta get rid of that sugar addiction. I gotta get rid of that, that connection that I have to sugar. But you see, I think a fear of the Lord is also an important part whenever we think about our our health, our well being. The next key is a key to prosperity found in uh, verses 9 through 10. Ooh. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first uh, and with the first pro- uh, produce of your entire harvest. Then you will then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. You know we talk about the prosperity gospel a lot. But really the, the whole part of being prosperous is that we can give more to God. And we're not just talking about money, we're talking about time, we're talking about energy. Give, your, give of your best to the Lord. That's the, that's the whole focus of that. In the Old Testament, that involved paying tithes and giving God the first of everything that you had, the best of everything that you had. We talked about it in our Bible class this morning, I think it was the Bible class this morning, and that you didn't give your Your broken lamb, you didn't give your your lame lamb up for sacrifice because that lame lamb isn't going to do you any good. It's not going to make you any money later on, so we'll just give this one to God and save the good ones for making the money. No, you're supposed to give your best of it. But when tithes weren't given, when the sacrifices weren't given properly, it resulted in hardship. Malachi talks about this in Malachi chapter 3. In Haggai, uh, you know, when we're going through the Minor Prophets, Haggai talks about... uh, what happens when God's not first? Hardships happen. In the New Testament, it's really not that much different. You know, the, we talked about and, and read um, in Matthew and, of course, here in Mark uh, over the past week that you know, what is the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Put God and His kingdom first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Jesus says in Matthew 6. And we enjoy His providential care. Give cheerfully and liberally, and God will empower us to give more, Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 6. Do we give to the Lord the first fruits of our time, our energy, and our money? Or is it just an afterthought? Is it the bottom of your budget? Is it the top of your budget? And again, I'm not just talking about money. How do we budget our time? I'm terrible at time management. Ask my wife. She will tell you all about it. If I tell her, she, that's okay. She'll ask me first. I hope. I'm looking at the women who are in Bible study. <laughs> Women's Bible study. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm awful at time management. Um, you know, throughout the week, or or just even on the weekends, trying to get projects done and 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 try to trying to squeeze everything in last minute, it, it doesn't it doesn't end well. Um, that was probably one of my biggest problems in school, because <laughs> I didn't manage time right. But when we talk about managing our time, we have to consider where God falls into that. Um, the last key, verses eleven through twelve, and this is where we'll wrap up tonight. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. So this final key is the key to accepting the Lord's discipline, accepting proper Christian discipline or discipline straight from the Lord as well. We need to value this chastening, this this act of, of discipline, because it's coming from a loving father. You know, when we look at Job and we consider Job and everything that Job went through, Job was a righteous man, but even the righteous may be allowed to suffer. Now, Job suffered greatly and he suffered for a long time, but in the end, he was compensated for it in this life. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all going to do that. That may not happen for all of us, but God may deem it fit. For those who suffer through and, and go through that sort of thing to be compensated for it in this life, but we know that this life doesn't matter. It's what happens after. It's that inheritance. It's that eternal life. It should never be our goal. in, in, in life, is oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna suffer through this because I know that in the end I'm gonna make something. Something's gonna something good's gonna come out of it. You know, for me. When in the end, really, something good should come of it, but it should come to glorify God, not us. So, whatever persecution or hardship God may allow, it is for our good uh, and for His as well. Um, but one thing that we need to do is we need to make sure that we are never, we never are in a position where we're not, or where we think that we can't be disciplined or won't be disciplined. Uh, we should expect discipline. Um, Because we're his children, and as a loving father, discipline will happen. Look over at Hebrews chapter 12. This is where we'll close out tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll start in verse 7 there. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this... You see, if we allow discipline and we expect that discipline and we allow that discipline to happen, then we know that uh, it will help produce the fruit of holiness and righteousness. I don't like disciplining my children, but I know it's something that I need to do. Because it's essential. If I just let them do whatever they want to do and think that that's okay... that's not going to turn out very well. And the same thing goes for God's children. If God just sat up there and just said, you know, do whatever you want to do. You're saved. You're good to go. Just do whatever. The world would be a much worse place than it already is. But instead we have discipline. We have rules. You know, we have guidelines, and we talked a little bit this morning about the commands that we have in the Bible, that, that God has given us the things that we are supposed to follow. He didn't give us a list of all the things that we're not supposed to do, but when we do something that we're not supposed to do, I guarantee you that the Bible speaks against it in some capacity, and if we are truly being the church, and we are truly bring, being brothers and sisters to one another, then we lovingly rebuke and, and help those who are committing sin or being sinful in their ways, and work work with them to to uh, of course come to repentance and seek forgiveness, because we are a body where we work together to produce good fruit. So, to recap the six keys to uh, for a good life from Proverbs chapter three. Uh, we get the key to a long and peaceful life, the key to popularity, the key to successful ventures, the key to good health, the key to prosperity, and the key to accepting the Lord's discipline. How amazing would so many lives be if people implemented this six, these six keys for a good life into their own? Next, uh, next time, like I said, we'll look at the next section uh, in which um solomon describes the value of wisdom and i think he he puts that there um, in order to encourage us to heed the wisdom and to encourage his son and of course encourage us as well um to heed this those previous 12 verses um, of wisdom that he gave so we'll look at that next week or i'm sorry next time it's a it's a habit uh and then after that we'll look at the six negatives for a wise life um So, as always, uh, you know, if there's any need that the church can assist you with tonight, we want to make that opportunity available to you. Um, If we can assist you in any way, Kip's going to come up and lead us in a closing song, number 904. But if we can assist you, uh, come forward while we stand and sing.